Welcome to a fake news Friday, fake news fiesta, all kinds of fake news this week. The master of fake news, my old buddy Thaddeus McCotter, former congressman from the great state of Michigan, former Republican leadership. Thad, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, but uh, it's it's. I always have valued your friendship and and your wit, and we're going to have a good time today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I've, I've been looking forward to getting on uh, Devin Nunes Unhinged, so this should be quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's our new name. We just we just renamed it Unhinged, but you know it's a fake. It's it's always you know Fridays. We always traditionally have done this podcast mostly on Fridays. And the fake news is always notorious for that big fake news bombshell on a Friday evening so that they can then set up their set up all of their their propagandists for the Sunday morning talk show. So it's in all the headlines on Sunday and then all the, the Sunday morning talk shows carry it. I think that era is, is kind of passed us by, but we're going to get into we're going to get into some of that that I want to talk uh, about China. I want to talk about uh, your issues with uh, Hamas, what's going on in Washington, a lot of the shenanigans that are going on there. Um, but I want to first, um, let me thank, uh, first of all, all the folks who are the listeners. So this is the live stream here that we're on, uh, live streaming on Rumble. But some of you, a lot of you will listen after the fact, either watching it on Rumble later or listening to it on the on the audio version of the podcast. But I want to thank all of you who said really nice things about my new wine venture that we that got uh, accidentally leaked here by Lee Smith a few weeks ago, uh, but I appreciate uh, all the the congratulations, and I want to thank all of all of you who have joined the Founders Club of my wine club. And Thad, I would actually give you a bottle of of my Patriot wine here, but I'm probably going to send you an empty bottle because you uh, you you don't drink. No, I, I I think I you appointed me the designated driver. <laughs> that's right so just send me a pair of keys yeah well this is uh this has been a venture as you know that i've worked on for a long time and it's a little you know it's a hobby uh but i appreciate all the people that that support it we're making some making some great wines out in california portuguese varietals grown in california and then of course our patriot cabernet red we actually launched it this week uh in california we're going to launch it soon in uh, florida near true social headquarters too but our good friends at Crawdaddies. Uh, that we've uh, longtime supporters of of mine and of the podcast, but I want to thank everybody who showed up there uh, last night as they unveiled uh, the wine for the first time. So that I want to let's just start uh, with the insurrectionists that are in Washington D.C. Um, a little bit, uh, you know, this is something that I haven't seen. Uh, much in Washington, but I want to start just by rolling out a video uh, from the other night. The DNC was was attacked by mm -hmm. Democrats, people of their own party, where they're trying to change the policies of the Democratic Party to be, I guess, pro Hamas. Is is I guess they're, they're calling for ceasefire. They're blocking bridges in in New York City. Uh, but this is a pretty. Uh, pretty. They had the Capitol was locked down uh, the other night. Thank God you and I aren't there. Uh, but uh, let's roll this tape. For those of you who didn't see it, this is protesters storming the DNC, which is just a block or two away from the Capitol. Overnight, violent clashes in the nation's capital. 150 demonstrators demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. Protesting outside the Democratic Party's headquarters in Washington, coming face to face with Capitol Police. 
Several lawmakers were inside the building as the protests erupted, quickly evacuated to safety. Police cutting off access to nearby offices on Capitol Hill. And heavy police presence here near Capitol Hill. House buildings on lockdown as police got those members of Congress who were inside of the DNC out. So speaking of fake news there, one of the fake news uh, companies, um, they called it their that uh, anti-war, anti-war protest. Um, I don't know. I think maybe you have a different take on it. Well, everybody in America has a constitutional right to peaceably assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances, but that does not look like what this was. It looks like an attempt to try to uh, coerce uh, the Democratic Party in particular and the American public in general into what a into a ceasefire, which of course we both know uh, that that's not really what this was about. Because if there was a ceasefire, the first thing that would have to happen is every hostage that the terrorist uh, organization Hamas has taken would have to be released. Because how can you have a ceasefire and or a truce if the continuing act of belligerency is occurring? If the crime of kidnapping is occurring, how can you have any type of truce? How can you do anything? And Hamas understands this. This is why they're preventing things from coming in to Gaza. Uh, and I don't think anybody here is fooled because the support uh, that a lot of these protesters will say they're supporting Gaza, but we didn't see any of this previously. Uh, they're really certainly uh, turning a blind eye to the terrorist attack, at, at least. I mean, this is about Hamas's actions against Israel. If there was no terrorist attack on October 7th, there wouldn't be anything happening in Gaza right now, and we'd be continuing to see negotiations uh, between the parties. So it's just unfortunate. And I think to some extent, it's easy to say that all the Democrats are either turning a blind eye to this, but I think, I think still when we were there, and I think a large part of that consensus holds, it was a bipartisan consensus to support Israel. And I think that still a majority of the Democratic Party still does. But this is very disturbing. We've also seen where staffers have gone out and left to protest their own. Uh, the Democratic staffers have left the House and stood on, the, I think, the Capitol steps mm -hmm. uh, in support of, quote, Gaza, end quote, and to try to change the Democratic policy. We've seen members of the State Department come out against uh, Mr. Biden and his stance on this issue, trying to change his mind to be more pro-Gaza and to support a ceasefire. It's also disturbing, too, when because you, you know this better than anybody, Devin. It's the, the bureaucracy is supposed to be there to support the policies uh, as directed by the president of the United States. Yeah. So not only did this not happen with President Trump, we're now seeing it not happening with President Biden either. And so what you're basically seeing is, is people who forgot that you work uh, for the duly elected people of the United, duly elected representatives of the people of the United States. You are not a power unto yourself. And you actually have vicariously delegated power in the first place because it has to come from the, the elected officials who take office with a delegation of power, but it's the primary delegation. So this is a very disturbing period of time because presidents of both parties are having their policies frustrated by people who've never been elected and seem to think that uh, the rules do not apply to them. And what you're seeing in the streets here are probably are the same thing uh, in the same support of the cause that don't think that the rules apply to them, that you have to be peaceful uh, when you assemble to petition government for the redress of grievances. We're talking to Thaddeus McCotter, a former congressman from the state of Michigan, former Republican leadership. He's on True Social, one of the first guys on True Social, writes for American Greatness. 
and a guitar player, I must say, and a really and a really good guitar player at at that. Yeah, these uh, aren't just wall hangings, man. Those, <laughs> they're put to use. Well, and yeah, used to be in the uh, Second Amendments, which was a band on uh, made up of members of Congress on on Capitol Hill. Uh, maybe you guys will have a reunion one of these days. Maybe invite the squad. No, we did. We did have a reunion uh, earlier this year. Oh, you did. We did. Yeah, we did. We got, we got the band back together. Did you invite the squad? Uh, we invited everybody who'd come, but the, the uh, pro the pro Hamas. Apparently, group. they must have been busy. Yeah. Um. Let's. Uh. There was so it's fake news, Fiesta here, fake news Friday. Uh. One of the things that caught me is the nation, the uh, nation's capital uh, paper, which is owned by uh, Jeff Bezos now. Mm -hmm. um, they had a little editorial a cartoon fad, um, you know, which I think they were just trying to, you know, a little bit of sarcasm uh, there. Um, but then days later, I think we'll try to get the cartoon up on the screen. But then days later, the Washington Post had to actually come out and apologize for putting this cartoon up. Um, so I don't even know what you call that. I don't know if it's fake news or if it's retracted news, um, but they had to, to issue an apology for, for putting up this cartoon. And we'll try to get it up on the screen, Thad, but okay, here's the, uh, yeah, so here is the apology from Democracy Dies in Darkness, but but Thad, what do you think that uh, the Washington Post issued an apology for a cartoon? Well, I've not seen the cartoon because I don't subscribe to the Washington Post. So I don't don't know. It doesn't seem that. Why was it found offensive? It was, look, what they're going to claim is that it's racist, it's horrible, whatever it is. I've not seen the cartoon. But I can't believe that the Washington Post, because it's a left-wing type of publication would be insensitive uh, to, to offending people. I think they'd be highly sensitized. And I would think that if this, so basically I think that's probably related to the fact that they, they did not like their position on the, on the situation in Gaza. And so yeah. that it has less to do with offense in terms of your, of your person than it does in terms of your policies. And they should never retract for having an, an opinion. Now you should allow somebody to offer their own opinion and counter to it. That's why that would be fair, but just to simply cave and say that we should not have run it, that we should have silenced ourselves, that we should engage in self-censorship for a major American paper is silly. And it's unfortunate and it just shows to how you can browbeat people. Oh, there's it. There it is. There it is. There's the cartoon that the apology was issued over. And well, those of you on the, on the audio version, um, it's um, you know it's just basically a, a a little cartoon making fun of Hamas with surrounding uh, the leader of Hamas surrounding himself with a bunch of uh, children um, as shields. So which they're is, using children as shields in in Gaza, and a lot of them have been kidnapped. Yeah, which by and the way is actually is actually uh, is actually real. <laughs> so yes. they really are using the kids yes. as shields. And they've kidnapped people and you're using them. They've not released the hostages. They committed an act of terrorism that included atrocities against individuals as well that we've seen. And so there's no excuse for it and there's no buts in it. And so an article like this, this editorial, of course, they're going to attack it. They know the hot buttons to push, especially with the left to get them to cave. The reality is October 7th was a 
was a barbaric uh, criminal action against the state of Israel. And an opinion like this was perfectly sensible. Unless, of course, you'd consider kidnapping people and using children in hospitals uh, to protect your terrorist organization to be acceptable. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for the Washington Post to apologize to me and retract their stories. And for not only me, but also True Social, we'll see if that Maybe that checks in the mail. We'll get that soon. Well, one of the things that the, 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 a lot of the newspapers and a lot of the media have been trying to figure out how the Internet is going to affect them. And they've been trying to figure out how to monetize things over time. But unfortunately, what's happened is they've devolved into basically hiring the lowest common denominator in terms of salary and experience so they could pay them far less. And you have people who then basically just look for clicks and just look to build their own brand and the truth becomes secondary to them. And you're gonna to continue to see that. But when you look at places like the Washington Post or the New York Times, uh, they generally have enough support to continue, but they also wanna get the clicks, they wanna get the eyes and the attention. They also have to figure out how to monetize things, which, which you would think uh, that the truth would be something that they would focus on so that they can continue to build their brand being honest purveyors and, and hold politicians of both sides accountable, but they're not doing that. And so when they cave to one side or a splinter element within one party, like the Washington Post just did over Gaza, it's very unfortunate and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So in terms, ideology is driving so much of this um, that and their quest for accountability journalism, uh, which is really to make it all journalism partisan. It's not doing them any good. It's not doing the country any good. And it's not helping the Republic because I want you to think about this, Devin. I'm from Michigan. We know that. Uh, we had the University of Michigan uh, uh, coach, Jim Harbaugh, has been suspended again for three games by the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And that's all you hear about. You hear about it on sports radio. You hear about it in the newspapers. I think the Washington Post was one of the people who broke stories about this. And they have people helping uh, reporters on this story. Other newspapers have reporters on the story about Jim Harbaugh and the potential uh, spying uh, to catch the signals of other teams, right? That's Right? Yep. Where is the same level of intensity to see about the, fam the Biden family's finances? <laughs> Where is that? Why am I not? This is, this is an individual whose family, and very likely him, could have taken money from foreign sources, including communist China. And here he is meeting with Xi Jinping. And I'm hearing more about Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh and Spygate than I am about the Biden's potential ties to communist China and potential bribery. Yeah. Well, I guess they just but, don't care. I guess it's okay. I yeah, I mean, it's look, okay. There's a broader question here. And it's one of the things that we focus on at True Social is trying to give people a home and a voice. And, you know, we are, for, for the most part, driving a lot of traffic to some of these smaller uh, news outlets that are deemed you know center right that get no promotion anywhere else and they're really they're the only ones that are doing real journalism one of them being just the news and john solomon who was one of the few reporters to actually cover uh the russia hoax and has been breaking many of the stories uh, on the on the biden corruption have, uh, have they issued an apology to you over russiagate yet no, I'm still, I'm still waiting for that one, too. Yeah. They were absolutely positively disinforming and misinforming the American people. And at no time did they say, hey, you know what? We got suckered. We're sorry. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you'd have There's to believe. We, we had Lee Smith on here, who, you know, is is the foremost expert on, on the Russia hoax. And, you know, his premise is, is that 
they weren't just, it wasn't like some accident where they just took some propaganda and ran with it. They were for the most part in on it. I mean, they knew this was being peddled by the, by the DNC and the same thing's happening now. And I think, so the larger question here that we, I think we're looking at is the, the long-term survivability of, of any news organization, right? So, so, you know, we're giving a home and a voice to these, mm -hmm. to those people that have been blacked out um, by, by all the other plat you know, tech platforms and everything else. And then many of these major news organizations are actually owned by billionaires or, and they're kind of their pet spy agency uh, or they're, or they're going broke. Um, and that's, you know, you look at the way that people are receiving their information um, it's been changing, you know, Thad, since, I mean, you know, I remember when, when you and I first went into Congress in the early 2000s, I'm, I'm sure it's the same thing in, in the Detroit area where you were from, but I had maybe two newspapers, three newspapers that I dealt with, local newspapers. Uh, you had maybe a couple talk radio stations and maybe, and you had kind of the, the local news. Um, and those are the people that I dealt with all, all the time. And slowly that withered away. Uh, as as these you know Facebook and and these platforms came on and people started using that and then that became how information spreads and then of course you had the censorship that then began so that it basically crowded out anybody that was center right I mean and now it's like crowding out people that are not pro Hamas um, you know it's gone like full circle it's a two step so what they're trying to do the the first thing that they're trying to do is that they're trying to use accountability journalism, which means that you have to be loyal to the truth, which in, in the left's parlance means whatever the left says. And so that makes that makes the messaging from the newspapers, it weaponizes them to do whatever the left wants and spread the message of the left. The second part is they're outsourcing censorship through the, through the deep state, through the administrative state, through the federal agencies. And so they will then go to big tech and they will say, and we saw this with COVID, we saw this with Russiagate, we saw this with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, they will silence any type of speech that they believe infringes or interferes with their left-wing policy aims. So you don't get the right information. And if you try to get the right information out, the government will outsource the censorship of you so that they prevail. In the final analysis, what we're seeing is... The internet has provided the democratization of information. The left calls it disinformation because the little totalitarians want to censor you. Now we have the First Amendment that says that they can't. So they're trying to find every possible way to make sure that somebody else does it for them, which is also unconstitutional. But again, the media doesn't care because the media is in on it. There is no explanation for why the media is not chasing down the government use of big tech and others for censorship, because or in the past, you would think that government censorship is the biggest threat to the newspapers, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, they're in on it, right? I mean, well, that's your, that that's your is... point. I mean, many people <laughs> ask me this all the time. Well, how can so many of every news organization, how could they all get it wrong? And how could they be lying about, you know, true social, for example, that happens almost every day. And I, you know, I, I just, it's hard to get people to understand that this whole, uh, the whole atmosphere has changed. There is no, this is not even like we talked about, this isn't even 20 years ago anymore. That, mm -hmm. that, that is, and you, you know, even that at, at those days they were left wing, 
But now with this, the ability to censor everything by using the internet and, and using these social media companies, um, it's why it's why we exist here at True Social. Yeah, we're back to where we were 200 years ago at the pamphleteering. Back in the old days, when the when newspapers were first founded, they used to put on, on the name of the paper, they would put their partisan affiliation. And I think some of them still carry those banners where they, they, the, the Jonesville Democrat or the Smithsville Union Republican. Uh, those things were so people could find out where they could go for news that they tended to agree with. In the 20th century, we saw there was a move to be objective about it, to try to just put the facts out there in front of the American people. Now we're back to where we were before 200 years ago. And you see that with Fox News, MSNBC, or classic examples of that, where people can go because they think, oh, I tend to agree with that. I think they'll be more fair and impartial. Now, what's complicated things is, is the internet, and that causes problems, especially for the classic traditional media, because they got to figure out how to monetize things. And it's easier for them to go after Truth Social because you're right of center. And so they figure that if they stamp you guys out first, they can deal with the left-wing uh, internet later. But right. first we're the first. only place that yeah. gives we're the only place that truly gives these people a home. Right. And and I would I would also make the the argument that it's not. And, and now, you know, we talked about the problems with the newspapers, but people are all, are not paying attention to what about your local news stations? Uh, these are all hemorrhaging money. They're having to lay people off. Um, and that's and that's accelerating even the nightly news like that, you know, you mentioned, I mean, we know that, for example, MSNBC, they still have a, a significant audience. But what about all the other three-letter uh, news agencies that, not to be confused with the three-letter intelligence agencies, but the three-letter news agencies I'm talking about, um, you know, they're all hemorrhaging also, and they're hemorrhaging viewers. I mean, I, you know, I used to go on some of those, um, you know, some of those Sunday shows, very few, but, you know, that... I don't know. It was good for the left and their propaganda, but I don't think I ever had any of my constituents tell me that, oh, I saw you on such and such Sunday show. Now, if I was on Maria Bartiromo's show, totally different. Everybody, you know, saw me. But so, you know, I don't know if they doctored their numbers, fixed their numbers, but I just don't know anybody who's watching no. these 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 news programs, that these traditional news programs, and I have no idea how they're being monetized other than you talk about the, um, you know, kind of shenanigans that are going on here. The big brand advertisers, the woke companies, are clearly still feeding high rates of revenue for advertising to these legacy platforms, which, by the way, don't have any viewers. Um, well, remember, the Democrats wanted to bail out local news newspapers. They wanted to bail out local media in one of their uh, trillion dollar bills. Uh, I think they pulled back from the brink of that. But think about that. The First Amendment understood that you need you have to have your hands off the press because if the government starts controlling the media then you're heading right back to uh, the divine right of kings and in our in our in our century totalitarianism so when the government starts funding and putting on life support these media organizations you're telling me there's not going to be a tit for tat here mm -hmm. that they're going to bite the hand that feeds them or they're going to bite the hand that the, the government tells them to yeah, and the government is owned solely owned by the Democratic Party, the Socialist Party in this country. So yeah. it's effectively, I mean, they control 95% of the votes in Washington, D.C., vote for Democrats. 
I mean, now you saw with these latest elections in Virginia, even with with their new, you know, the uh, Glenn Youngkin, who was able to pull off a victory there a couple of years ago. Um, they just it, the Republicans are having a tough time breaking through now, even in suburban uh, Virginia, because what's happened is, is the flow. People say, well, I love living in D.C., love being a love being a bureaucrat. I'm a Democrat. They all get the gig. But they're like, oh, let me move to Virginia because then I'm going to pay less tax. And so they go there and then they take the same policies across the river in Virginia. And, you know, surprisingly, I think it's just, you know, Northern Virginia becomes, is just becoming a, 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 just a, the greater area of Washington, DC that is left wing and they own all the bureaucracies, um, including now we know the department of justice and the FBI, all the stuff that, you know, that I worked hard to uncover that you're now seeing manifest itself in real life. You know, nobody would have thought, you know, you know, when we back in 16, when the DNC and the Clintons decided to weaponize the Department of Justice and the FBI on the Russia hoax, you know, it, it, it just if you move, if you look at how fast we went from there, that was back in 2016. Look where we are today, where you have the Department of Justice uh, and also state attorney generals essentially trying to do everything they can to stop Donald Trump, their main their main political rival. Yeah, you're so think about this, you're watching individuals who are engaged in certainly not peaceful protest all to advance and push the political goals of a terrorist organization yeah it's true okay wittingly or unwittingly that's exactly what's happening and so um are they going to be treated like uh parents at a school board who dissent by the department of justice or, or is this, or somebody going to have to gin up a bogus letter and send it to the DOJ at the, <laughs> so the DOJ might bother to get up and, and look into something? Well, and they don't even, well, they don't care that. They I don't mean, care. Look, there's early reports, as as you and I both know. I never react on these initial reports, but I will tell you, I predicted this from the beginning. But today, there's reports out that are saying that Biden will not be charged for the documents uh, that he's possessed sure. illegally, which by the way, Thad, if you or I had those documents, we would definitely be prosecuted uh, without question. And so rightly so. And they, rightly they, so. <laughs> enough time went by. They think people have forgot about this. They went after Trump on with the documents hoax, who he was the president. He would have the ability to have whatever documents that he wants to have. Uh, but now you've got, uh, you know, now you've got that, that Biden is uh, is basically not going to be charged by a by by the way a supposed uh, Republican uh, former Republican lawyer at the Department of Justice who got in the middle of the Russia hoax and kept documents from the Republicans in Congress back when we were running the investigation. So these guys come full circle. They have their token Republicans, whether it's Bob Mueller or the or the, or the current guy that's looking at Biden. But this was predictable that they were never going to prosecute Biden. They believe it's right before Thanksgiving. They're going to leak this out. Um, they're not, they're never going to go after him for the same exact. Well, actually, it's not the same. It's actually stuff that you and I would be prosecuted for. That, by the way, Hillary Clinton didn't get prosecuted for. She should have been prosecuted for it. Um, and yet they're targeting Trump for for something that he had the right to do. He had the right to have these documents and the right to declassify these documents. It's rather incredible. Uh, well, I mean, look, it, it just doesn't surprise us, is I think the point. It's it's a very dangerous period of time because it's so eminently clear that there are two systems of justice in the United States, the Democrats 
uh, have one for themselves and for their allies, and they have another for the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult because eventually when the Republicans take back the administration, there's going to be a grave temptation uh, to do unto others as has been done unto us. It's going to be a tremendous uh, amount of willpower on the part of the Republican Party not to do the same thing and well, start to repair the damage that the Democrats have done to this country. And I, and that I don't I don't really know. A lot of people ask me, well, how are you going to fix this? Um, I don't know how you're really going to fix uh, the, the problem where you basically have two two different uh, two different countries. You have the uh, sets of people with different beliefs where the city states are now divided. They're hard left. Uh, and then you have the uh, rural areas that are going to be you know, Republican and to the right. Uh, I just don't know how you're ultimately going to going to fix. You know, how do you fix the FBI? And you know, now they're going to get a new three hundred million dollar headquarters. So it's like they're being rewarded for all the shenanigans that have happened, and they just don't care. Um, they don't care. No. moving forward. So the fix is not. I, I understand what your point. You know that you're making that. Hey, you know, uh, be careful what you wish for. This could come back on them. But they've set this up in a way that that you know. How do you ever get? What we're going to throw everybody out of the FBI and the Department of Justice, and we're going to bring in uh, Republicans from where Utah? Um, you know, I'm sorry. You no, know, I think I think you move into. They're not going to move into into DC. Nobody wants to go into that. that you're you're, you're going to have. You're going to, first. You have to pare down the size of government. Number one. Number two. I think there are departments in there that were created uh, that can be disposed of. Anything that has to deal with trying to censor the internet. <laughs> Those types of organizations and entities should be gone. They shouldn't be funded. Uh, so that's number one, is you have to look at what they've set up and how they've abused it. You have to see whether the country needs it or not or whether it can be fixed. I think you should term limit bureaucrats, the top-level bureaucrats. If the president of the United States gets eight years, you should might be able to say that uh, somebody who runs this department can be there for maybe six, maybe for four. Mm-hmm. So that too much power doesn't accumulate in hands, because you have to remember that even the president of the United States at least is elected. He gets a direct delegation of power from the consent of the governed. These bureaucrats don't. It's all tangential and they're never held up for election. You may not even know the person who's busy violating your constitutional rights at any given time. Yeah. So I would try to limit the tenure they have. I also would look at to make sure that you can also get rid of people if they violate things, if inspector general supports things like that, make it easier for people to leave government service or be separated from government service. So you got to reduce the size, you have to reduce the power that gets concentrated in too few hands, and then you have to look at taking care of people who aren't doing their job or abusing their power. How can you separate them from the federal government? Once you have the ability to show that you can't get away with this and you will be held accountable for misuse, for malfeasance, misfeasance, and that there's actually fewer opportunities because of the budgetary constraints that we're going to be facing, uh, massive trillion dollar deficits and debt that we can that we have, I think you can get a handle on it. Uh, the worst thing would be for us, for Republicans to come in and do the exact same thing the Democrats are doing, then it will never stop. Better to reform it uh, than to... Uh, <laughs> become your enemy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, we have a lot of people on the, on the, you know, center right that, um, uh, that believe in term limits and, you know, for congressional term limits. And I always warn people, uh, be careful what you wish for, because at least, for example, you know, you and I, we had a constituency, we were elected, um, by, you know, people had a vote to vote us, you know, vote us in or out. Uh, but with well, the, the bureaucracy lives on. So if you put That's in right. term limits, 
and you get rid of all these bad people that you think you don't like, they're the politicians, you don't realize it's truly the bureaucracy that is running things. And it just so happens the left controls the bureaucracy. So if essentially you're just empowering uh, the, the bureaucrats to run things if you get rid of the politicians, which is exactly what we saw in California. The, the, the power quickly just went to El, the, big, the big city centers, the Bay Area, uh, mm -hmm. Los Angeles, and Sacramento, where the bureaucracy was there. It's still there. The bureaucracy runs everything. I mean, they even joke about it in Sacramento. I don't know what, what they say in Michigan. Same thing in Michigan. Is we have term limits, too. And it's it's the lobbyists and the bureaucracy. And then, and so you're kind of stuck in no one. Uh, you're also not getting the best types of people because what's happening is only so many people would ever run for office. They get in there, they get termed out. And then what do you got left? Yeah. They so, jokingly call it here. That I don't know what they call it in Michigan, but in, in California, they call it the third house. It's everybody knows the third house and, and the politicians, the elected officials in Sacramento know that the third house is actually more powerful than they are. And a lot of them try to figure out, they, they get into the, they get into office where there's state legislature. It's all Democrats now, basically it's nearly, you know, I think 80% Democrat now in, in Sacramento, both the state Senate and the state assembly. And Basically, what they figure out, they figure out, okay, how do I go from here? And then they'll become like the chief of staff. They'll go from assembly member to a staff person and become more powerful than they were as an elected official. Yeah, or the head, or the head of department in the bureaucracy, or they'll become right. lobbyists. And so, so what happens is, I think the Republicans really need to focus on what the left has done, not with the inside game of the elected officials, but with the outside mm -hmm. game, and within the bureaucracy uh, itself as well. Lawfare is outside the government, but it works hand in glove with the bureaucracy, with the Department of Justice and others, and with Democratic elected officials. Republicans like to blame faces. They like to blame the elected officials. The reality is so much of what's happening right now, you're going to need strong elected officials with popular support to get things done. And if you term limit them, they're never going to have that base underneath them, the credibility or the, or the opportunity to learn the deep state, understand what's happening, and then go in and fix it. Uh, it's, In fact, when you think about term limits, they came as a Republican response. They were just very angry. But as a Republican, I'm a federalist. I also understand we're elected by district to represent districts. I vote in my district. I, it wasn't my job to go over there and get rid of Devin Nunes out in California, right? Yeah. So it, it violates a whole lot of the, of the whole purpose of having people elected by district, elected by state. And there's only one person elected by the entire country. That's the president. So Republicans wanted to get rid of Nancy Pelosi or John Dingell, and they couldn't do it because they didn't live there. And so they wanted to impose their opinions upon the constituents of another district. And that's not how the Constitution set this thing up. Yeah. We're talking to uh, Thaddeus McCotter, former congressman from, from Michigan. Uh, Rights for American Greatness, always uh, also a guest uh, uh, often on the John Bachelor show. Uh, Thad, we're talking it's fake news Friday and we're talking about fake news and we would be and we're talking about the delivery of the fake news. Is that why you got my is that why you got my uh, site up there on Truth Social? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> An example of fake news right here. Yeah. But I one other subject I want to talk about, we talked about how billionaires now are controlling the media enterprise. They're in collusion with the Democrats for the most part. Um, party of Wall most, Street, the Democrats yeah. are the party of Wall Street. Yeah, most, most of the billionaires are Democrats and are, are you know, you can argue that maybe Murdoch, uh, Fox was not, uh, you know, it tends to be more center right. But 
but most of the media is controlled by the left. However, and then the social media companies are also controlled by the left and the delivery of all of this news, except for True Social, um, where we don't censor people. Uh, but there's another player involved, um, and that is one of your favorite topics that you warned me about years ago, and that is our favorite uh, friends over in the Chinese Communist Party dictatorship, and they have their own platform called TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I want to uh, just, you know, I, I think what you've, a lot of the reason that you see young people actually siding with Hamas is because TikTok is feeding all of this pro-Hamas nonsense to the TikTokers. And that's why when you go out and do a poll of kids under the age of 25, uh, you know, they, they have no idea. They just think, you know, Israelis bad, they're occupying, they're killing people, they're, you know, and they would need a ceasefire and these poor Gaza people, they have no idea that anything even occurred on October 7th, like 1,400 people being massacred in about the shortest amount of time in the history of the planet, by the way, how quick that massacre occurred. Uh, atrocities that we, you know, you see during wartime, but not so in, in such a short amount of time, just a matter of a 12-hour window. Uh, but I want to play, Thad, um, the latest that we're seeing on TikTok, which is... Uh, run and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, most believe. ...to America, which is Osama bin Laden's letter to America explaining why he attacked Americans. And I am ashamed to say that I not only have never read this letter, but I didn't even know this letter existed. It's wild and everyone should read it. If you haven't read it yet, read it. However, be forewarned, that this has left me very disillusioned and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. I feel uh, a little bit just confused like I have entered into another timeline. What is this? And yeah, so go read it. So I just read a letter to America and I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same i will never i please read it and if you have read it let me know if you are also going through an existential crisis in this very moment because in the last 20 minutes my entire viewpoint on the entire life i have believed and i have lived has changed please read that entire letter So there we have it, Thad. We're going to read Osama bin Laden's letter, and uh, this is going viral all over TikTok. Yeah, that, that was some toxic imbecility right there. Um, right. It, so, may, it may be, but this is what oh, no, people but are the, seeing. The, the left likes to talk about disinformation. They like to talk about misinformation. And so what do they do? They crack down on Americans trying to peaceably assemble and express their dissent against the Bidens and against the Democratic Party, right? TikTok is a major font of disinformation, misinformation, and propaganda perpetrated by the Communist Party of China, right? And yet the Democrats don't do a damn thing about it. Where's the Biden administration with TikTok? Modi over in uh, India understood the nature of that, of that device and he booted it out. 
Yeah. Along with so some other look, Trump, by the Chinese Communist Party. And Trump thinking. was trying to get rid of it. Trump did we get know, rid of it. But the and, point is, we know what it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is propaganda. This is all set up. And these and and anybody stupid enough uh, to believe that this isn't propaganda directed at us by the CCP through this act is just crazy. And it's unfortunate the Democrats, again, do not put their money where their mouth is because they're not doing anything about it. Uh, Biden can sit there with Xi Jinping and enjoy uh, his meal with the $40,000 a plate business community that would sell out America in a heartbeat if they could get a billion dollars out of China or less. In the final analysis, people do not realize that we are already in a new Cold War. Uh, the tent poles are there, communist China, Putin's Russia, you've got Iran, you've got Venezuela and Cuba. They're starting to try to add places like Libya and South Africa to it. And the, and the West just does not quite understand this. We do not understand that TikTok is a means of disinformation and misinformation and attack on the American people. Nobody wants to admit it because it's just, it's just some hard, no pun intended, it's some hard truth, baby. And it's, yeah. going, to take, it's going to take America to start mobilizing again uh, to defeat the authoritarian axis that is confronting us. And so when I look at those two uh, clips that you ran about the people on TikTok, and I look at the American kids, and I look at the indoctrination the American kids are getting in their college campuses, which is basically a Maoist indoctrination, uh, replacing the word racist for the word rightist, uh, you could see that there's a we're going we're getting caught in a little bit of a whipsaw here, especially with the young generation. What they should be reading are the Federalist Papers. What they should be reading is the Constitution. What they should be reading in the Declaration of Independence. What they should be reading is the truth about American history and including the warts and all so that they can understand where we've been, what we've transcended and where we have to go and why the United States must remain an inspiring, aspirational nation for the rest of the world to emulate and to follow. If they don't do that, of course, uh, if, if I'm a completely ignorant individual and I have no fixed beliefs and I've been told that I'm nothing but a cog in a machine and I've run out of places on my body to tattoo, yeah, I might have my existential crisis if I read some stupid letter from a man who killed 3,000 Americans. But if I had my brain set properly as opposed to in my hind end, then I would realize that Mr. Bin Laden is rotting in hell where he belongs and America must continue to be a beacon of hope for all the world. But that's just me. We've been talking to Thaddeus McCotter today, and that I will I'll finish with this. At least we got California cleaned up. You know, I mean, that was great. California is now clean. Uh, Dad, I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, everybody uh, for once again for uh, going to DevonWines.com. Thank you all the people for the nice notes, and of course, don't forget to go to the Apple Gods, pay homage to them, write something nice uh, about the. Make sure you give us five stars because. We know that the uh, they're always trying to downgrade me, Thad. People who don't even listen to the podcast are always writing nasty things, so it's always nice when people actually listen to it. Uh, write something good. Uh, but, Thad, thanks a lot for uh, for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for what you're doing. I know that it's so critical, and I know that Truth Social is such a it's, – it's in many ways, it's one of the few places left where you can yeah. freely express yourself, for better or for worse. Uh, like I just did. So thank you for that, Devin. And thanks to True Social. Abs absolutely. <laughs> thank you, everybody. This Good is luck with the wine, baby. Good luck with the wine. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dad. <laughs> I know. And you'll be available to drive. Yes. This is Devin Nunes. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>